Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus with producer Sana Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Breaking news out of over thousands of applicants, the Verbally Effective podcast has been selected to showcase at the 2020 South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. Ina Esco will be interviewing Taylor to the Stars and Memphis native Rich Fresh on the big stage. Hey, this is Crystal Oliver of Dream Team Solutions, where we offer a plethora of services, starting with credit restoration, professional tax preparation, as well as real estate services. I am in the studio, verbally effective with Ina Esco. Stan Bell serving you well, pushing more power than a Duracell. I'm hanging out with the double E, Ina Esco, on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Let's go. I'm Al Pickett, and I'm verbally effective because uh, I can talk about just about anything, and I'm not afraid to disagree, agree, uh, or change my stance based on new information. Al Pickett is a veteran of the real estate finance industry. At the age of 24, he purchased his first company in a strategic buyout. Through interruptive marketing and advertising campaigns, he was able to attract clients and build a trustworthy company brand recognized throughout the community. Al Pickett has a deep understanding on how to maximize a business assets to increase its market share. He quintupled the revenue of his first company in the first year of operation. He currently operates a private investment firm that seeks investments in the UK, Japan, and the United States. He also helped to build a network of 100-plus business mentors for new entrepreneurs through Starco, a venture development organization that develops founders and their companies. He sits on the board of Volunteer Odyssey, an immersive volunteering experience for job seekers. He operates on the principles that you must be passionate about what you do, committed to those you serve, and excellent at completing the job. He's a frequent speaker at universities in the Mid-South on topics ranging from entrepreneurship to marketing like a maverick. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco. Episode 103 today. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Verbally Effective podcast. And today, I have a very special person. If you guys could see me now. I'm so excited because, you know, when I first started the Verbally Effective podcast, I had this gentleman on my list of people I wanted to talk to. And he is finally here. He is a financial market trader, a trading coach, and the author of The Black Print, Mr. Al Pickett. What's up, Al? What's going on? How are you? Feeling good, feeling amazing. And you're looking amazing. I appreciate I'm that. I'm talking about suited and booted. I'm talking about custom. I'm talking about that suit is hitting you right. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I couldn't come I, I couldn't come uh, halfway. I, I knew where I was coming. Oh, do you have a tailor? I do. 
You do? Yeah. Out yeah. there in Houston? Yeah. Houston. Okay. I figured you do. Okay. Okay, Al. Well, you know, we know you are a veteran in the financial market, but I want to talk about your upbringing first. We're going to get into the Forex trading soon. But what part of Memphis are you from? From Whitehaven. Born and raised. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, grew up, uh, I guess, up until five around Fairley and then like moved, you know, just more into uh, kind of where, uh, where Whitehaven High School is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's where you attended Whitehaven yep. High mm-hmm. School? Haven View, Whitehaven Elementary, Haven View, and then Whitehaven and, uh, for high school. But then I graduated from Hamilton. Wow. How did you graduate from Hamilton? <clears throat> well, <laughs> you know, I, I I just wanted control of my. I, this is a big thing in my life. I wanted control of my schedule my senior year, and mm-hmm. so uh, I, when I got the schedule for twelfth grade, I was like, uh, "Mom, uh, yeah, we got problems." Mm. And uh, I had to transfer me to Hamilton because I knew that, like how their scheduling worked, mm-hmm. and uh, and so and then I worked Monday through Friday, so okay. it just worked. Like if I can get out of school early, I can go to work. Okay. And I didn't want to like crazy senior year. Right. And yeah. I mean, to be so young and to make, you know, a responsible decision, a mature decision such as that. Because, you know, a lot of these seniors, they ready to party it up. But you had money on your mind. Absolutely. <laughs> Where were you working? I was working at Avis Rental Car. Wow. Slanging Avis them rent- cars. Avis Rental Car. I was cleaning them cars. Okay. Uh, And, you know, just whatever else they needed. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you know, just a, a, uh, a pivotal, a pivotal experience for me because mm-hmm. it just taught you like you're learning how to work with management, right? Mm-hmm. I'm working with everybody was older than me, mm-hmm. and uh, how did you get that job? My sister, my sister, uh, her ex boyfriend uh, worked there, and he was one. He's like, as soon as you get your license, just let me know. Wow! As soon as you get your permit, let me know. Actually, at the time, I think I think I only had the permit when I started. Mm-hmm. And just worked my way in. Wow. And it was on. Okay. So yeah. I heard you mention your sister. Do you only just have one sister, other siblings? My on my mother's side, just my, my older sister. And then on father's side, I've got four brothers. Boy, that's a lot of brothers. That's a lot of brothers. And where do you fall in? I'm in the middle. I'm in right the middle. in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I know you like money. I know you like to work at an early age. But what extracurricular activities were you involved in growing up? Mm, well, we played, uh, I mean, you know, street ball, mm-hmm. basketball, a whole lot of basketball. But, to I mean, honestly, when, like, that was early, you play till the lights come on, mm-hmm. and you keep playing, and you keep playing, and we play all day, swim all day. Mm-hmm. Chocolate is, you know, just <laughs> ashy. Yeah. Um, but when I started working, all of that stopped. Mm-hmm. All of it stopped. I know it sounds a little crazy, you know, like, no, why, why do you do that at 16? But. That's it just what I was into. Crazy. Were you saving up for something? Uh, I just did. You know, you. My mother, she's a single mother, mm-hmm. and uh, so you know, money was one of those things where it's always tight. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I, my decision was, I did not want to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then you know, didn't want that to be a lack of. Yeah, I got you. I got you. So you held mama out. That's that's very mature of you at that age because um, I, I even find like my son, my I have a 14 year old and a 6 year old, two boys and I'm starting to see a mature side of my son now like I'm like what you talking about like you know it was like overnight so 
I definitely understand what you're talking about. Now, when you graduated from Hamilton, what was next? Uh, I went to, I started, immediately went to uh, what was then uh, State Tech. Okay. It's now Southwest Community Yeah, College. I remember when it was State Tech. Yeah, I went to State Tech, and I, I was enrolled for computer engineering, so it's on the software side, so, like, developing. I was always pretty good with computers. And uh, so I, that's why I, that's exactly where I went. I stayed there for uh, right at two years, mm-hmm. and then I left. Why did you leave? Because I was like, you know, <laughs> It was a, it was a definitely like a like this business decision, mm-hmm. like the, the thinking behind. It. It's like, all right, so if I stay and I graduate, um, then what am I what am I gonna make, you know, annually? They're gonna stick me in a cubicle, and that's gonna be that, mm-hmm. and my income is gonna be capped, and I'm not gonna be able to. And I was already doing extremely well from how many hours I was working in high school, mm-hmm. so. I'm already seeing like, okay, well, this is not much more than what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. And the worst case scenario is if I go into business, then there's a, there's enough time for me to mess up and get a lot of experience. And who wouldn't work with somebody who has some experience mm-hmm. versus somebody who's just coming out with a piece of paper? That was just the, the decision. And not only that, it was like – um my mother and my neck that's the like the big thing in my life has always been like family of of that that driving force of why I have to succeed at something right It's because like I've got these people around me and I gotta take care of them mm-hmm. and so it's like if I go into business and i and it works out, mm-hmm. then I'm gonna be able to do that very well, yeah. And so that's that's kind of how it happened. So you you bet on yourself at a very young age. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. So how did you get started in entrepreneurship? I know you said you bet it on yourself, but what was that first thing you did? What was it? The first, the very first thing I did um, was um, I was introduced to to a family. There were some. They were anesthesiologists, mm-hmm. and they lived in Bartlett. And they got me involved. They own, I forget the name of the restaurant, right? That was old, old restaurant off Mill Branch. But anyway, they had gotten started in some network marketing where they were um, doing, uh, I think it was satellites. It was satellites. Mm -hmm. And um, whatever the business model was. So, you know, you'd go to the house and Bartlett and they they, do the presentation. They do the presentation, et cetera, et cetera. And they talk Mm -hmm. about residual income and you're like, okay, you listening. And so these things were, um, you know, like at that point they were cementing about what these different opportunities were. But what I noticed was they were still, they still own that business and it's that business was the main thing and that they were cash flowing in that business. Mm -hmm. And so I started there and then I was like, but what I, in, I started there, and what I learned was how much, how important learning to sell was. Oh, that's that's like if you can sell, that's the main thing. That that is yeah. what I took from that. Didn't do well in that. In the in the network market. Yeah, because I you know you'd invite people. Everybody knows it's like oh invite three people, invite right. three people, invite three. And you'll people. come up under me, and, just, and I'll was, teach you. And, and, and was, yeah, I was like, no, nah, this is not it. Okay, this is not it. And uh, then um, I ended up going on a trip to Atlanta and with, with a buddy of mine. And I knew that weekend, I said, oh, yeah, I, 
I'm moving. I'm moving to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I just it, saw so I just it? saw like you know you see all the cars on the expressway coming from Memphis. Mm-hmm. You see all the houses. You going through all the neighborhoods. I was like, oh, it's just like I can. I know I can win. It here. was energy. I know I can win here. My aunt at the time she was in a uh, she was in the mortgage business, mm-hmm. and um, I saw my cousin. A cousin of mine had this is. It's crazy. She had $90,000 in commission schedule mm. for, I think it was like over three months. That sounds good. She, yeah. She didn't, she was brand new to the business. This is when real estate red hot. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> sold. I, I, I know what I'm going to do. It, and that's how I got, that's initially how I got started in the mortgage business is I was working in my aunt's uh, office in Stone Mountain, Georgia, just listening, learning, and going out and soliciting customers. Mm-hmm. And so, that's how I knew it was going to be in the real estate business. Okay. Wow. And, you know, the real estate business, I mean, I, I've had quite a few people on the podcast, and, and when you're doing good, you're making that cheese. It's crazy. It is crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's how you started, though. Now, I know that you are a self-trained trader, right? Right. So what motivated you to learn about the stocks and trading? So that's different from real estate. Yeah, but it's it's uh yeah. So let me just tell you how it happened. So <laughs> fast forward a little bit. I was very fortunate in real estate. Did extremely well, and my financial advisor at the time had got me. I you know put my little money with him, and I'm watching it grow over a year. And how old are you at this point? Uh, twenty, twenty, two, twenty three. Paid. Well, I was I was doing okay for myself. Okay. And uh so my financial advisor time, I'm watching the money grow all year and I'm looking at how hard I'm working, right? And this money's just growing and it's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And uh he at the end of the year it was eighty two percent was the number. So take ten thousand dollars, it grew eighty two percent from that, right? And so I, I said to myself, wait a minute, now, if he can do that with, with my peanuts mm-hmm. and it's just sitting in the corner, what can I do with it if I work it, mm-hmm. if I do this as a full time? And then and the other decision was like, if I knew what kind of money I was earning on my business and what the percentages were, and I said to myself, now with the money that I have here, if I can get anywhere close to this number that he's doing, I don't have to do another business in my life. Mm. And additionally, I could be anywhere in the world because I was running a company and I was landlocked. Mm-hmm. So I could, you know, you just can't bounce everywhere. You got employees, you got overhead. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's how that, that happens. Like, wait a minute, this is the this is the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I can be anywhere. I don't have to have employees, very little overhead. Mm-hmm. And there's no cap on what, you know, what you can make ultimately. Wow. So... Your financial advisor really motivated you to Absolutely. get into the trading. Yeah, and 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 it's it's different because <clears throat> the financial advisors they get paid off of the most of them get paid off the percentage of uh, like the money that they have in the management, not performance. Like if it grows to a certain amount, they get extra. The you know, base level financial advisors they get paid for the money under management, mm-hmm. new money that they get under management. Okay. So it really wasn't an incentive to, um, like, if him grow it to 
this level and this level and this level. He's like, his job is to go get more money on the management. So I knew that, like, okay, he can't necessarily teach me how to do what I want to do with the money. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, eh, I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. But I need to take this and run with it. Wow. Yeah. And to be so young and to make that decision is just mind-blowing. Like, seriously. But it seemed like money, uh, like numbers were on your mind a lot. Like, you could add some shit up real quick. Like, okay, but if this and uh uh-uh, if that, nah, I could do that myself. Pluses and minuses and thinking five, ten years out, like, what do you want the life to, you know, what do you want it to look like? And then, you know, that's that's part of it. But then it's the sacrifices Mm -hmm. to to actually do it. And going through the rough periods and, and, you know, having the doubts. I mean, there's times I had the doubts of, like, man, why in the hell did I drop out of, you know? And my mama, mama had to, until she saw those real estate checks come in, she was saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. I wish you would have stayed and then get your engineering. Yeah, yeah. But it's that same thing. And so once you do that once or twice of, like, betting on yourself, pushing through whatever the, like, problems are, and then it working out. It- becomes it, easier more confidence the next time yeah yeah wow okay and let's talk about some of those hard times or even more so the self-trained part is like what i really want to dig into when you say self-trained you actually pick the textbooks up absolutely and and so <laughs> self, when see people say self-trained self-made mm-hmm. i guess it's an interesting concept to me mm-hmm. because no if you're reading and you're getting new information, you know, it's, it's from a societal standpoint, they call it self-made, self-trained. Mm-hmm. But I'm getting information from all these different sources and then taking action on it. Mm-hmm. So I still, to me, I still am giving credit to those, like, nobody is really self-made because I'm getting uh, motivation, inspiration, and information from all these different places. But it's up to me to put it all together, right, right. and to make it work for me. Mm-hmm. So I guess guess that's where that piece wow. comes in and it takes some discipline to uh, be yeah, for sure. because I mean I just think back to when I was getting my MBA I, I started it out uh, online and <laughs> when you got into more of the harder courses I said no I have to go and sit and listen to the professor just in case I need to ask a question you know I was just intimidated by the subject matter so, I mean, it takes a lot of discipline. So about how many, I mean, textbooks you ran through? What was it, all trading books? Like, what was going on? What's your curriculum look like, LP? The the curriculum was, um, wow, I read pretty much, and is, this is not going to be a popular thing at this point, what I'm okay. about to say. Like, when I started in real estate, all of Trump's books, mm-hmm. right? This is He bo- is a mogul well, of, of real estate. Well, is he really? Is he? You was reading his book? I was reading his books, but okay. that was part. Why was I reading his book? Because, you know, you didn't know all the things that was happening in the background. Mm-hmm. But it was like marketing, et cetera, et cetera. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so, you know, I learned some things from that. But um, yeah. you asked me the question, you, the, the question you asked me, like, where did I, the, the additional books? So it was like Rule Number One by Phil Towns. There is... Uh, the books that Buffett that were uh, written about Buffett, there were um, just it was so many different finance books, mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out. Um, oh, I'm going to tell you a book that changed my life, but there are these different books 
that you're reading, you're gleaming a little bit of information, and you're taking that, you're applying it, seeing if it's going to work or whatever the case. But the book that really, really, and you know, we're friends on Facebook and we talk all the time, it's, it's Michael Covell's Trend Following. Trend Following. Right. How old is that book? You know, I don't know how old it is. Michael um, But, yeah, Michael Covell, Trend Following. And um, what it taught me was that I didn't have to um, – I didn't have to watch the news. I didn't have to guess. I didn't have to predict. And it, it just laid out this uh, – all of these facts, figures, and data on going back to, like, the 1800s of just following what's objective, which is, like, the price mm-hmm. – of whatever is happening, it could be the price of rice, it can be the price of gold, it could be the price of oil, it could be the price of any financial instrument. You don't have to guess, you don't have to predict. And that is one of those, like, it was a pivotal thing for me, like, oh, I'm on to something. I knew it, mm-hmm. but now here's this data. Mm-hmm. I'm a data person. Like, you got to, like, prove something to me with data. Right. Wow. So your your big thing is watch the price. Watch the price. Okay. Yeah, so uh, you go on Facebook right now, or you go on Instagram, or whatever, probably Facebook more so, or Twitter, and people will have uh, like whatever their thesis or thoughts or opinions, mostly about what they think the market is going to do, um, based off of all subjective information mm-hmm. or thoughts and theories, and they go well. You know, Apple dropped today. It's time to buy. Well, why? Mm-hmm. Why is it time to buy? Mm-hmm. Because, like the it, low can always become lower, right? Remember when housing and people thought that like housing prices could never drop, right? And they drop and they kept dropping and they kept dropping. Low can always like there are neighborhoods that don't come back, right? So low can always become lower, and so that 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 the theory that you know you buy low and sell high, well, you've got to put a little bit more depth into that because just that piece alone is going to get you in trouble. Right. That makes me think about this guy I follow on Instagram um, when they shot the Iranian missiles, remember Mm -hmm. not too long ago. So this guy, he's a jeweler in New York. And, I mean, he goes on his little tirades. He's a very, very uh, intellectual guy. But he had this big presentation and said – you know, his focus is gold. Mm-hmm. So he was like, let me tell you how the Iranian missile strike is going to make my business profit. I'm talking about he had the trends on there with, you know, for gold. Yeah. For the for the price of gold. And it was something about because the missile striked in Iran and I'm assuming he did a lot of business in Iran. I mean, it, it was it was some cause and effect with it. But he had he was saying that was going to cause the behavior of the price of gold to go up and for him to make way more money. He's I'm just being honest with you guys. I've been doing this for over 20 years, you know. And so I was like, that's interesting. And like you kind of think war, you know, the potential war that may be happening, may not be happening. Is that going to how is that going to affect trading the stock? So, so it's interesting. Behavior. It's interesting. It is behavior. It is behavior. Mm-hmm. It's like fear, greed. It's this fear, yeah. greed, and hope, and all these different things. Um, so what happens is, like when that missile hit or whatever, I had clients. They send me a message like, "Oh, oh man," uh, and I teach them not to watch the headlines, mm-hmm. right? 
because what happens is by the time by the time you read it on Twitter, by the time you read it on CNN, CNBC, we already made the money from it. Okay. Because the price starts to move no matter what happens, the price starts to move at that moment and that's the time. Mm-hmm. So by the time you read it on CNBC, it's the people going, "Oh man, it's time to buy, it's time to get in." Mm-hmm. Well, that's at that point, <laughs> at that point everybody else who already made the money is getting out and the market is reverting back to it, its normal thing. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, it was this kind of greed thing and then it's fear and it just repeats itself over and over. So when these events happen, they may have um, they have an impact, right? But usually the price is already the instrument, whatever it is. I'm talking about. I, I keep saying instrument because that's all these. They're financial instruments. It's like gold mm-hmm. can be traded, silver can be traded, sugar can be traded, um, Facebook stock. You know, whatever the, whatever Bitcoin. All of these different things are just instruments. And so when these events happen, everything just starts to it's already moving. Usually it's already in a trend. So it's trending up or it's trending down. So it may accelerate the trend or it may reverse the trend. Mm. See what okay. I'm saying? So that's so, why you said keep watching that price because once you start seeing it go up, get in on the front end. You are usually when by the time when you start seeing something trend, you 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 know, you have some rules around what gets you into the market. Mm-hmm. But usually you're these people are already these institutional players are already in these trends mm-hmm. and something happens and it accelerates it and then a great example phenomenal example was bitcoin bitcoin i know a few people that got rich real quick and they were already in at 3000 4000 5000 when it was 5000 bitcoin whatever and then it went to 20 mm-hmm. right and then you had the people by the time it got to the public and everybody was like, yeah, it's time to buy. Well, they were they the ones that got in at 20. And then that's just where you start hearing, well, my uncle lost a lot of money in Bitcoin. That's because the public at that point, once it reaches the masses, it's too late. It's too late. Wow. Did you invest in Bitcoin? I still I still traded just, just a little bit, mm-hmm. but we don't, I don't look at it as investing. Okay. You know, I just look at it as, you know, it's just a time thing. It's a, I have a time horizon. Once I make two or three times what I initially put in, I'm out, and I can do that over and over and over versus trying to sit in it. And you know, most people think it's gonna go to a million. Mm-hmm. Whether it does that or I don't know, but I can get as much as I can get along the way. Wow! Do you enjoy this? I I love you it. Love I, it. It's fat. I pinch myself every day. Like I can't mm-hmm. believe this. It's crazy. Right. I I be I be following you on social media and it's like you know you working out you on a treadmill you watching the stocks though yeah you know what I'm saying yeah. but you can you have freedom to do what you want to do yeah everybody can't say that and and listen it's it, the it's not a uh, it's not an easy thing as mm-hmm. as much as people want to make it it's a lot as of responsibility it's, it's a lot of psychology mm-hmm. like you have to be disciplined. Um, you have to be in the right mental state and you have to check you like it's this you're managing your greed, managing your fear and like it's not an easy thing, you know. Yeah. It's a it, it is a definitely a skill set that you have to develop over time. You're not gonna develop it in a month or two months and mm-hmm. and, and that's the interesting thing, like now, same thing with what uh what real estate was, it's like um I was in my coming out of my building the other day and, and the girl asked me, she's like I always see you like so leisurely. Like, what do you, what do you actually do? What do you do? 
And so I started, I kind of, I said, I trade. I went up and talked to people. I was like, oh, yeah, I just like trade some stuff. And so, is it Forex? So Forex has become popular now because of the multi-level, the network marketing. And um, so there's networking, network marketing involved in Forex trading. Well, no, not necessarily. So Forex is an entire market, okay. right, that is done by, like it's money, just money moving all around the world from institutions, governments. Whenever you do a transaction, it's, it falls right in that flow of $5 trillion moving around per day mm-hmm. um, when you like buy a snack or whatever the case. Um, so it's all these organizations and governments and institutions that are transacting money, currency all around the world. Um, so it's in market all by itself. But now you you have these multi-level marketing companies that they recruit, hey, hey, you go get three people and we're going to show you how to trade the Forex market. I've seen a lot of that on social media yeah. lately. Yeah, and so that is what I get asked, like, wow, what's this, you know, what's this Forex thing? And so I think it's a good thing that it is people are becoming aware that there's a new market that exists outside of the stock market. But the education behind it is that's where the that's where it's lacking. Okay. How long has Forex been around? I mean, for as long as currencies have been transacted. Okay. So yeah. but it's just now popular, getting popular. Well the 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 trading of the instruments keeping I've been doing this thirteen years. Mm-hmm. And uh Forex has been around that long, right? Wow. And so l- longer way before my time. But the popularity again amongst the public mm-hmm. is just now getting to that point. Wow. And, you know. That's social media. Powerful, ain't it? It is powerful. <laughs> it is powerful. This is a great equalizer. Wow. wow. I mean, have you uh, gained clients off of social media? Oh, for sure. For what sure. Is your, what does your client base look like? Uh, we, somebody it, might assume suit and ties, but I'm sure it's diverse. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I know exactly what their avatar looks like because mm-hmm. of the way that I particularly market. Like, you go on my social media, you, I mean, you may see me like, I live my life, but I'm not on there like, I'm doing the Lambos and the private jets. No, you don't, you don't that. do that. You don't do yeah. it like that. And because those people are usually looking to get rich quick, <clears throat> and that usually doesn't end well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the people that uh, I end up working with usually follow me between six, to, six months to a year. Mm. They're validating they're thinking they're asking questions they're doing research Mm -hmm. and so these people generally what they look like are they're either uh they're all of them are high earners already right so uh just like the top tier of income earners and um um various backgrounds but they're already doing well in whatever their professions are and they're looking to like supplement they're looking to replace uh, they're looking to, like, to bolster their retirement accounts, and they're just looking. These are like they're looking to learn a new skill and like just make sure that they're gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. So you're teaching them along the way, too. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Wow. Okay. So, why did you decide to write the black print? Uh, f- mostly out of frustration. Like you know, I'm sitting, I'm on the internet, and I'm looking around. I'm like, man, that's really not how it works. Mm-hmm. That's really not how this works. You want to school these folks, huh? And, and, you know, you can only go so far. And so it's, as an entrepreneur, you're a find a problem, fix a problem kind of person, right? You're like, okay, that's a problem. Can I fix it? Can I have an impact? Um, can I do it better than it's being done already? And so the black print was uh, inspired, you know, like from that. 
And what I wanted to do different was marry. And what I hadn't seen done was like marry. The reason people buy a book, a self-help book, is to duplicate the success that somebody's having in some form, fashion, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I wanted to do was like marry the two. So, all right, you want this thing, so let's put coaching with that Mm -hmm. and make sure you get there. And then like limit how many, you know, how many people can actually have access to it. Your book takes action. That's the that's the like I don't I do not buy a self help self help book to sit it on a shelf. Like okay. I want what's in that. I like what can I use in here mm-hmm. to make whatever my life better or whatever the case. That's I think everybody does that. So similar to we giving you the blueprint, I'm giving you the black print. Right. Because wow. when you go to an accountant, you don't want red ink, you want black ink. So, okay. Right. Okay. And so how did you decide on that price point? Just uh, the value. And, I mean, even, yeah, just the value of, like, I couldn't imagine, um, you know, I go into Barnes & Noble, and mentally I cannot accept somebody taking 80% of what, like, like a publisher I'm Mm -hmm. talking about, taking 80% and sticking me on the shelf. Right. Like, we're... We're in a situation now like this is the decentralization of of access and the decentralization of who acts like access to information and et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so like you can go direct to consumer. And so why would I allow them to stick me on the shelf? And then why would I, I, you know, allow them to take 80 percent? And then if the information is actually uh, actionable, useful and proven, why would I sell it for twenty dollars? Mm-hmm. And that's so that's how I came up with the price point. I was like, this is way it's worth way more than that. Plus, like the coaching and et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Interesting. Now, I mean, with you having traded for 13 years, do you think that everyone should trade? Absolutely not. Okay. Why not? Just because um it is a very psychological thing. And so people people don't, you know, they uh, there's this desire to for the money. And so if you come in it for the money only, then you're going you're gonna to struggle. You have to come in and think of it as, I want this skill. And so there are people that I actually turn away. I was like, oh, well, you know, I, me, this coaching thing is a very personal thing. So I had to see if you're coachable. I had to see if we met, mesh and match. Mm-hmm. And what's your motivation? Mm-hmm. And I tell a guy recently, he's probably going to hear this, I was like, I said, you know, what's your motivation? Well, I want to do this in six months. I said, well, I'm the wrong guy. What did he want to do in six months? Well, he just wanted to do, he wanted to accomplish a a number that was unachievable. Mm. And I said, I'm the wrong guy. Fast. Yeah, I'm the wrong guy. And usually they come back at some point and they say, well, you told me. I said, yeah, you know, I just wanted you to have realistic expectation about what's going to happen. Like, you know, that money ain't worth my reputation. Mm -hmm. And, And... you know, that's the bottom line. So oh, that's good. You go through a whole assessment process. Oh, it's a, it's folks. an interview, right? Because yeah. that's taking up a lot of your time coaching. It's it's not too crazy, but you know, I enjoy doing it, mm-hmm. and uh, but I also want to. It's all about impact. I want to make sure that people actually get where they need to be because it's really a transformation. And I look at like take my I just look at myself. Learning this transformed me as a business person. Right. Because of how uh, objective you have to be. Mm -hmm. 
And so it it transforms for people to be successful. It transforms them too. Uh, so I know it's a transformation that's happening with people. And so you know you got to be willing to under, undergo that thing. And it may not go as fast as you want it to go mm-hmm. um, because it's work involved. And you know, do you think that's one of the biggest misconceptions about trading? Oh, for sure. What are some other plug and plug and they think they're gonna plug and play, and they mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're gonna have this. Uh, passive income and it's just not gonna work that way Mm-mm. it's not gonna work that it way. takes some work it takes some work and you got to be willing to put in the work and nobody saw uh you know i never like went to like had an account that just went to zero or nothing but nobody saw like the nobody knows about being up at 1 a.m mm-hmm. and staying up for uh being getting up at 1 a.m this is when i was in real estate work all day in real estate Get up when London, when the London market is open at 1 a.m., stay up all of that time, take a nap, and then go do real estate. Mm-hmm. Like, grind. yeah, and then you get people, well, I can't find the time. You can't find the time for what? Mm-hmm. It's an excuse. Yeah, it really is. So, you know, not everybody's willing to invest that amount. They just want to plug and play and get rich. And that's the problem, like the social media part of it, yeah. is that, you know, people think they're going to plug, you know, just mm-hmm. pay this and, or somebody's going to send them signals of when to get in and when to get out and all oh, the world's going to be great. And it just. It's not like that, people. It's not like that. What did your 2008 look like? 2008. Uh, 2008. 2008 was. 2008 was interesting, right? So around that time, 2008, 2009, we was going into the crisis and everything. So I was uh, I owned a mortgage company at that point mm-hmm. and was doing. I was doing extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was starting to come to the point where these lenders were starting to, um, like go away. Lenders were starting to like go out of business, <clears throat> excuse me, but I was still doing extremely well, but we were starting to see, okay, this is like, everything is tightening up. Mm-hmm. And, um, at that point I was in a, in a, um, um, what am I trying to say? I started negotiating with the company that I left to kind of do a uh, a acquire like acquire so mm-hmm. acquiring talent because the I needed the government approval, um, which is how it's called it's FHA. So you needed a certain amount of assets to get the FHA approval. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the I looked at the runway and I look at everything and I say, you know what? I, I'm not going I'm not going I'm going to run out of time for that. Mm-hmm. And so my first immediate thing was, okay, let me go and let me go and negotiate. I have a seat at the table because I was able to leave the company. I was able to leave that company that I was with, buy a company. And so that gave you a little Jeez. it gave you a little seat at the table mm-hmm. where you can come back and you say, okay, he did that and et cetera, et cetera. So I was able to negotiate a way where my transition from that piece wasn't as rough as most people, yeah. if that makes sense. It's a, it's a lot of people had a rough time in 08, time frame. And, and I think um, I think we're in an interesting space regarding that mm-hmm. because the I watch. I didn't buy a lot of stuff at that point, so I didn't have to deleverage. I didn't have to get rid of a lot of stuff. I didn't have the fancy cars. It's never really been me. I didn't have any of that. Um, we're at that point now where the people who are having the, uh, so much success in real estate right now haven't seen that period. Mm. 
they haven't seen where you have to, your income is cut in half or something like that. And so, I, you know, I just think we're at that point right now. Wow, we're at that point. Yeah. You know what? Um, my aunt, Deborah, uh, she lives in Beaumont, Texas. She used to be an engineer. No, no, no. She was an architect with Gulf States Utility back mm-hmm. in the day. And they did a big layoff. And she was always interested in trading. And, you know, they offered her a severance package, a big lump sum. And what she decided to do was start trading. And that's what she does to this day. I'm talking yeah. about about 30 years now. And I'm talking about very profitable. I remember in 2008, she wasn't affected that bad. Mm-hmm. She had like a little dent, but she's very modest, mm-hmm. you know, kind of similar to how you say. So, I mean, I mean, it's a lot of money to be made in and, this business. Wait, and hold on. To go back to that, this is really what, this drove me to a new level. 2000, <coughs> excuse me, March of 2009, right? This is when uh, the government basically came in and said that they were going to bail out the banks, mm-hmm. right? And at this time, my, my strategy for trading and all of this was very different. So what I, all I would do, this is, this is, just very powerful information I'm going to share. All I would do was go, I say all I would do, but, you know, it was research to get to this point. You go to the uh, Yahoo Finance. Mm-hmm. I would look at how much cash a company had on. It's public information. Make sure they weren't going out of business. They had a lot of cash. Great. And then I would look at when the officers were buying the companies, like when they were buying shares. It's public information. These are people who are inside the company they're buying the shares. You know what the saying is you follow the money. Right. So that's all I would, 2008, 2009, like from the stock side, I was just following, and the returns were, Massive. it was ridiculous. Yep. It that, was ridiculous. <laughs> you said Yahoo Finance. I, could, I can picture my Aunt Deb at her computer right now on Yahoo Finance. Yeah. Because that's all she would do. Yeah. While yeah. she did whatever she wanted to do outside of it. It was insane. It was insane, wow. and then that strategy stopped working because the market just kept going up and up and up and up and up and up. Mm-hmm. And nobody, all of the people who, the shareholders, they didn't have anything to buy. They were just sitting on it. And I watch, I literally watch these people make $40, $50, 60000000 million Easy. in six months. Dang, that's a wow. That's it was wild. Amazing. Mm. Well, Al, if you weren't trading, what would you be doing? Mm, that's a very interesting question. It probably would be something back in real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I do have some plans for real estate, but not at these uh, ridiculous prices. But it'll be a more on the commercial side. It's ridiculous right now. I think it's ridiculous. in real estate. Yeah, really? I think again the housing industry. I again I'm paying it. I've lived it. I'm paying attention mm-hmm. and waiting for my moment. Mm. Um, I just think the prices are way too high. So it's so much money chasing so uh you know some so many of the same deals mm-hmm. and uh. Ultimately, there has to be a, like, you know, there's just it's, it's a rubber band kind of thing. Like so prices off. can only go so so high, mm-hmm. and the returns are going to continue to fall if mm-hmm. they continue to if the prices continue to go higher. So something's got to happen. Yeah, yeah, you you watching that thing? I'm watching, <laughs> watching and waiting. Wow, speaking of watching and waiting, we've been watching and waiting Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. And I know you have been in tune to this because I saw you tweet. 
you was like it, it was like a conversation in the tweet is you was like you ain't giving up your royalty you don't, you oh. don't care what's going on mm. how you feel about them royals listen i i my my <laughs> stance on this is this won't end well you don't think so i don't think this gonna end so you know they gave up all of well they didn't really get the queen trying to work with them. Well we don't know what all they gave up, mm-hmm. but um, listen, you <laughs> signed up for this. You know what come with the territory. Mm-hmm. Megan changed. I mean Megan stepped in and he uh, just okay. He no. trying to protect his wife. I understand, but she she signed up for this. You know you know you saw the tweet. I watched it. You saw the tweet. I, I said what I said. I saw your was, tweet. If you. You know, hey, everybody want everybody want the prince, you know. Oh, God. everybody want the prince, and then as soon as this happened, they like, oh, well, we don't care about the, you know, we don't forget the royalty and all. Oh, okay, I want to be an actress good. again. Yeah, that sound real good. You like now? But now, what I real say is he did leverage, you know, his uh, his power to get whatever that deal was with Disney or whatever case. Yeah, like I, you know, like I used my my market. Uh, expertise with this. I don't know all the. I'm just looking at what is objective and what is not. Right. I can't. But I can. I just don't think this is gonna end well. Yeah. I. You know. I'm following. I love to follow the Brits. Wow. Okay. So you know, I mentioned before. I see you working out a lot. How important is health in your life right now? Uh, six days a week. Uh, I'm at the gym, mm-hmm. and you know, part of that is. You know, there's the physical aspect of it, like stay in shape, like look good, but also it's just like a mental, a mental uh, sanctuary. Like it's this mental thing for me that like, I gotta go, and it just gets me back to, uh, it keeps me centered, mm-hmm. right? And it's where I go. Honestly, it is where I come up with all my I like all the dis- the key decisions. Mm-hmm. Oh, since I started working out, I think I started working out at like 24. Um, but all of my key decisions since then have come from, and the clarity has come while I was working out because I'm allowing my mind to work subconsciously mm-hmm. on whatever the problems are, the challenges are, whatever I need to you know, do, mm-hmm. and it just comes every single time. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Now, yeah. when you're working out, you know, sometimes I know you 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 know may mention a song you're listening to. What's your playlist look like? My playlist um, is still a lot of Nipsey uh, right now. Uh, I'm I, I mean, you know, the box with uh, Roddy Rich. That's oh, hot. that's my song. Yeah, you know, that's hot. That's <laughs> hot right now. Um, uh, what is uh? Yeah, it's still a lot of it's a lot. I was listening to the game, but that that mm-hmm. you know that passed. Um, what else? Mm, depending on the day, I may I may pull up the old Fifty Cent. Mm-hmm. If it's a leg day okay. where I need to go all the way in, then it's definitely some mm-hmm. of that old Fifty Cent. Like it's got. I'm not working out to Mozart. I'm not working out no. to Frank Sinatra. You know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um. I noticed. You know. You may post the songs that you work out to. Um. And just speaking of like hip hop, did you hear about Biggie Smalls? He's gonna be inducted into the Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. As he should. As he should. As he should. Also, Whitney Houston. As she should. Like, why are y'all waiting so long on Whitney, though? Like, right. What is going on? Yeah. I mean, these, this we're, we're talking about, uh, again, I, my, one of my favorite words is impact. Yeah. Like, these are people that we're still listening to, talking about, mm-hmm. and celebrating. Um, to this day. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, Mr. Pickett, I have definitely enjoyed you. 
on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Will there be a black print, too? Um, You know, I don't think I'm going to write a... I don't know that I'm going to write a second book. Okay. Um, the black print is a community, too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just... Um, it's not just uh, it, it's a community of everybody that I've taught, and so actually we're gonna, like I'm, we're hanging out tomorrow. I mean on Saturday, and so we have these biannual meetups where we hang out, we go, and there's usually like some education, but it's really just to build community and for people to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna continue to grow that quality person by quality person, mm-hmm. and just let that let that be what it is. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. So you you do a lot of mentoring as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that is awesome, Al. You are amazing. I'm having fun. Yes. Yeah, I'm yes. having fun. Okay, Al, give everybody all of your social media and how they can get in touch with you. So all of my social social media, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and uh, what's that? Yeah, Twitter, Instagram is Mr. Al Pickett, so M-R-A-L-P-I-C-K-E-T-T. And my website is alpickett.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming to the Verbally Effective Podcast. I really enjoyed you. Thank you for having me.